Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richie. Good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day. None other than Yasmin Aliyah Khan, host, global threat, a thread, excuse me. She's a global threat too. Global Thread podcast, Modern Context and Rebel HQ contributor. Always fascinating to have her breakdown. Now, story of the day. Rudy Giuliani is about to be homeless. Okay, let's put him up full mass. Uh, Giuliani now hit with a $550,000 lien. He has no money. He has no earnings, according to him. Former Trump attorney Rudy Giuliani owes more than half a million dollars in federal taxes and faces a tax lien on a property that he owns in none other than the state of Florida. That's according to a recent court filing. There's more. Ironically, the unpaid balance of nearly $550,000 in federal taxes for 2021 was revealed in an August notice that said the IRS was placing a lien on Giuliani's property in Palm Beach, Florida. Reached for comment Thursday about the unpaid federal taxes, Ted Goodman, a spokesperson for Giuliani, said, quote, Mayor Giuliani is suing Joe Biden for defamation. And I get, and I get asked about a potential tax issue. You can't make this stuff up, end quote. Now, I got to say this. That's a hell of a spokesperson, okay? I mean, the pivot, uh, the non-acknowledgement sounds just like Giuliani. Yeah, he's speaking on behalf of Giuliani, sounds like Giuliani, it fits. He later said that Giuliani, through his accountant, had a formal agreement with the IRS to pay off the liability. The Daily Mail first reported Giuliani's tax debt, which comes as he faces mounting legal woes and fees. Last month, Giuliani's former lawyer sued him over allegations that he had not paid legal fees that they said amounted to $1.36 million. And if you remember, the attorney that filed the suit is allegedly a friend of Giuliani. Uh, Giuliani responded. To the lawsuit saying the dollar amount being sought was excessive. Giuliani, the former mayor of New York City, also faces a $10 million lawsuit filed by Noel Dunphy. If you remember, that's the woman whose allegations included Giuliani's harassing her and discussing the selling of presidential pardons after she was hired in 2019. Giuliani has denied the claims. Now, with her, the proclamation is this, not only did he subject her to harassment, sexual in nature, but also decided not to pay her, promised her $1 million a year, paid her virtually nothing. In August, a federal judge found Giuliani liable for defaming two election workers, two black women. In boosting former President Donald Trump's stolen election lie, NBC News reported last month that Trump hosted a fundraiser at his golf club in, Bed, uh, in, Bed, in Bedminster, New Jersey, to help a legal defense fund for Giuliani, who was also charged alongside Trump and 17 others. 
for Georgia election interference. One defendant, Scott Hall, has already pleaded guilty, is actually expected to flip. Naturally, Giuliani and the rest have pleaded not guilty. You know, I don't think I've ever seen, and I said this in the morning to my producer, I don't think I've ever seen a person fall this hard, this quickly from as high as he was. He was America's mayor. And to be the age that he is, you assume that people learn a particular lesson about who to affiliate with or how not to subject themselves to lawsuit, especially if you are an attorney. But he went after black women. He went after individuals who are impressionable, he manipulated the masses. He did this intentionally. All because he wanted to support a person that he believed he could receive power by way of proximity. Remember, this is not about Giuliani's love for Donald Trump. This is about Giuliani's love for Giuliani. Trump was his proxy to power. Trump was his access to influence. And so while it may appear that he's out here Caping for the man, Trump. He's really caping for him, damn self. All right. Thoughts? Yeah, first of all, things are not going well for Rudy. Yeah. And I it's like what you were saying. I wonder if he's just regretting everything from the last 10 years or however long it's been that he's been in cahoots with somebody like Trump, probably longer than we even realize. But you know, he could have just disappeared into his retirement following his political career, but instead he chose to come back into the public eye in the most public way. And I'm not surprised that that reporter was asking uh, his attorney about the taxes. These Trump cronies, they really have earned an, a reputation for not paying their taxes or for not paying their employees or their contractors or their own attorneys. And they're always just trying to avoid accountability at every turn. So, of course, that's a story of interest for people. And now he's suing the president of the United States for defamation. I don't know how he thinks that's going to go, but he's weaponizing the legal system, which is something that we've seen Trump do time and time again. And it's so wasteful in so many ways, but it's also just a really sad way for Giuliani to end his public life. Yep, well said. Um, obviously, more updates from Giuliani to come. Um, a dad decides to protest at a school board meeting by taking off his clothes to make a point about clothes in the school system. Here it is. Because I have no other way to describe my concerns about this policy, I'll do an object lesson. This is what I do for my kids when I have to tell them why we're doing things the way we need to do them. Under the proposed policy, this would be appropriate in a classroom. Now, if you ask me, this is inappropriate for a board meeting. If you have a dress code policy that allows us in a classroom, it does not promote a, health, a safe classroom environment, as well as limiting the amount of distractions in the classroom. I would like to request that the board reject this current policy, either enforce the policy that we have, or have a policy that reflects more concerns that reflects with what conducts a better environment for the students, for them to get the most education out of the class, as well as prepare them to enter the workforce when they leave the school. I can't think of any 
place of work where I could walk in in an interview and be taken serious in something like this. So let's put, let's, let's be adults for these students. Let's put the right policies in place to help them have success in the future. Thank you. Thank you. Sir, did you think about the fact that your children got to go to school in that school district after their pops decided? Listen, man, uh, whatever you want to do, you do. But you said in the beginning, sir, that this is how you teach your children. So obviously, you believe that you are engaging in an appropriate form of conduct. What led up to this? Here it is. President Schultz, members of the board, uh, my name is Ira Latham. I have four children that attend in the Higley Unified School District. I'm here today to talk about the proposed dress code uh, um, uh, changes that are up for voting. Uh, I, was, I spoke before on the dress code changes. It was voted down uh, for much of the same reason I think that it should be voted down this time. I read through the dress code, the new proposal. It's much more wordy this time, but it says the exact same essential thing. It's my request, uh, President Schultz and members of the board, that you reject this uh, current proposal and you either enforce the current dress code that we have or you have a dress code that reflects more of the concerns of the uh, parents in the district. As a parent, I expect the district to be able to enforce uh, policies that help my children be able to go to class and know how they can contribute to a safe uh, classroom environment, as well as limiting the needless distractions in the class. This policy does not do that. I also think that it uh, brings a lot of unnecessary pressure on teachers having to deal with the vagueness of this policy. Because I have no other way to describe my concerns about this policy, I'll do an object lesson. This is what I do for my kids when I have to tell them why we're doing things the way we need to do them. Under the proposed policy, this would be appropriate in a classroom. Now, if you ask me, this is inappropriate for a board meeting. If you have a dress code policy that allows us in a classroom, it does not promote a safe classroom environment, as well as limiting the amount of distractions in the classroom. Put him up full mask, sir. We know you wanted to do this anyway. Um, you got four children, four. Okay, and you believe this is the only way to make a point? This doesn't add up to me. Once again, sir, you're free to wear what you choose. During a September meeting, Mr. Latham was meeting about the Higley Unified School District in Gilbert, Arizona. This dad took the district's governing board. And those in attendance by surprise when he decided to take off his clothing in a protest of the dress code policy. All right. So back in May, the school governing board began discussions about updating its student dress code policy, which had not been changed since 2001. Our school boards do this routinely. The board met again in August to discuss the proposed policy and again in September. The new recommended policy said, and I quote, clothing must cover all private body parts and or undergarments and must not be see-through. Undergarment waistbands and or straps that are incidentally visible under clothing are permitted. However, undergarments may not be worn as clothing. 
Some of the five board members advocated for a new, for new looser dress code policies, eliminating restrictions around tank tops, showing midriff and more. These are kids. They're not at a job, and I recognize at the end of the day, this is the uh, the most job that they have. But we need to allow freedom," said Amanda Wade, a governing board member. They argued the existing policies actually disproportionately impact or target female students. "Quote: We're saying that they need to cover up because of the way it might make someone else feel, and that is wrong," said Tiffany Schultz, the governing board president. Other board members were in favor of maintaining a more modest dress code. If we are uh, prepping our children to be college and career ready, then they need to learn to be able to have self-respect. And that doesn't include showing off their body parts, said Anna Van Hoek, a governing board member. So parents like uh, Mr. Latham there gave public comment throughout the process. Uh, These are my babies. These are my kids. I'm concerned about them, uh, Latham said. My concerns were about preparing students for entering the workforce, setting the right expectations, having respect for other students and teachers. Latham spoke out at a prior meeting, but he thought he needed to make a statement to get his point across, which is why he opted for a dramatic outfit change, uh, basically theatrics. Uh, Latham said he purchased the clothing at a thrift store. He put a lot of planning and effort into it. Uh, The dress code that they wanted to get get to is just basically a dress code for a public pool, is what he said. Make sure that kids cover their underwear, and that's about it, Latham said. Following his demonstration, the board uh, voted three to two to approve the new, more lenient dress code. He still lost the whole battle. It's going to get harder for teachers to deal with this new policy. It's going to be distracting in the classroom, and it's going to have some parents that want to pull their kids out of the district, uh, Latham said. Uh, The irony of it all, the irony of it all. Um, So number one, the dress code policy uh, is not adverse to normative policy. I looked at it. It's not extreme. And the policy did need to be updated to be congruent to the rules that we now have that govern what's called equal or fair treatment of students. You can actually lose federal money if you decide to engage in this uh, disproportionate punishment. So they were addressing it. It's an argument for sure, Mr. Latham, you're a parent. You have four children in that school system. We understand that as well. But your actions in front of the board, in front of the parents, and frankly, in front of kids and the world, well, That may not have been the most professional approach either. I'm sure you have a job, sir. Would you have done that at your place of employment? I think it's ironic that you're making a point about children being appropriate and professional. They're children, they're immature and anything but. So you have to guide them, lead them by teaching them things like, I don't know, character, love, value, how to treat people. The dress code, we get it, decency is a thing. We all have to follow it, even as adults. But sir, you thought the only way to present your side of the case was to become a clown in the circus. All right, Ms. Khan, thoughts? 
Yeah. What a way to make a statement. There was probably a better way to prove the point that he was trying to make. He seems like a very eloquent person. He could have just used his words, but I guess if he had just used his words, we probably wouldn't be talking about him right now. When I was in junior high and in high school, I had to abide by a dress code and obviously I hated it. But now as an adult, as an old lady, I can kind of see the benefit of things like dress codes and even school uniforms. And I feel very old saying that. I don't know the details of this dress code, but from what I have seen, it seems like a pretty standard dress code. And everyone is going to have a different benchmark as far as what they think is appropriate in certain settings and what isn't. I think dress codes can be done reasonably. It doesn't have to be so extreme. They can be done in a way that allows kids to express themselves and to have their personality come through, through their style in a way that they are comfortable with themselves and with others. And I really think that that is important, especially for kids that age. But ultimately, I I just want the kids to learn however they can best do that, whatever that environment needs to look like. I just want the babies to read more books, however that happens. Well said. All right. A good update. Remember the 93-year-old elderly woman. They were trying to displace her, big corporation, okay, developers. But the community came to her rescue. Let's put it up for a mass. Uh, she was able to obtain and exceed the needed $350,000. This was a land dispute. So a fundraiser for Miss Josephine Wright, a 93-year-old South Carolina woman who is fighting to keep her property and land after she reportedly was harassed by developers to sell it, has actually exceeded the goal of 350,000. Miss Wright's home in Hilton Head has been in her family for generations, dating back to just over right after the Civil War. After Miss Wright's granddaughter started a fundraiser to help pay for Wright's legal expenses. Celebrities, black celebrities like Kyrie Irving, Tyler Perry, Fantasia, they answered the call and so did many of you. And either pitched in tens of thousands of dollars or spread the word to generate more awareness for the movement. Thanks to the collective efforts, the fundraiser exceeded the goal and is now over 362,000 in donations. We say thank you to everyone who was involved. So what's next? Uh, Neither the Bailey Group nor Wright has dropped their lawsuits. And Hilton Head City officials will not issue the developer any building permits until the lawsuits reach conclusion. Construction has also mostly come to a halt. Bailey Group representatives reportedly have told city officials they plan to make a settlement offer but the family has received no such offer just yet. Uh, we will continue to follow this story, but right now, this is a very good thing. It shows the power of our collective voice. They thought they could come in, railroad this woman, tell her to move, and there's nothing she can do about it. Well, one video, one post was made, put on social media, and all of a sudden, The big bad development company that likely has significant connections with members of the elected class, well, they were put to a stop and to this day cannot move forward because of you. All right, we appreciate everyone for being involved. And to the strong 93-year-old grandmother, God bless you for standing up for yourself. All right, Ms. Conn Thoughts. 
Yeah, we love a good update like this, Doc. You know, I love this too. These developers out here are out of control and I feel like I've been over them for a while, but I feel like now everyone else is starting to catch on a little bit more. People are over it. People are tired of seeing trees cut down, seeing green spaces paved over and seeing family homes disrespected and replaced with like another strip center that nobody asked for. I actually love Hilton Head too. My family and I, we used to vacation there a lot when I was a kid. They have great beaches. They have even better people. I saw my first alligator there. So yeah, I'm happy for this one. Good stuff. All right. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We still have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these comments before I do that. Remember, Operation Hope, people can make change a reality through collaboration, all right? Um, And it starts by coming from a place of hope. Operation Hope is an initiative grounded in the belief that change is possible and that people can revive and save democracy. We gotta stand together to make it happen, get involved. Go to tyt.com. Okay, a lot of comments. We'll get to as many as I can. America needs reboot. I would tell them, you go, girl. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think that was just deep inside his heart. And he needs to be free to do what he wants to do. I'm sure that was very liberating for him. All right. He may actually do it again. All right, G. Martinez Mack, that dismissal by those judges. Are going to be so painful to Rudy Giuliani. Uh, said into his quickly fading life, um, and that hair dye that keeps coming out of his scalp. You know, that's the day I realized that nobody on his team loves him. When they allowed that man to do a press conference, knowing good and damn well somebody just sprayed his hair, and it was hot as hell, and he was sweating, and nobody stopped anything. I realized then he has no friend. All right, Tracy Ravenhawk, Chili's baby back ribs. <laughs> no said. Um. All right, Lynn. Uh, they've paved paradise. Put up. They, right. They paved paradise. Put up a parking lot. They sure would, wouldn't they? Uh, uh, James Thompson gifted one indisputable. Thank you so much for gifting that. We appreciate you. And welcome, Oracle Queen. Welcome to Indisputable. Thank you. Octo Squiddies, you think the lawyer who took down the mob using Rico would know not to get involved in a Rico case? That part. Yeah. But he did not. All right. Got something for you, ladies and gentlemen. I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday? I feel French. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Grabalo. Sí, grabalo. No te pasa nada. Yeah. One moment, let's go, man. Hey, no problem. Yeah, no, yeah. Move your. Yeah, come on, come on. No, no problem. Yeah. 
They told you you couldn't. Yeah, no problem, man. Hey. Let me show you something else. Yeah, hey, no, 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 touch. Do you no, touch. Yeah. Do you no, touch. no, 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 that individuals like this routinely attempt to dehumanize others. Now, by the narrative, this is not his property, which also means that if anything, let's say there's some type of code violation. He does not have the right of citizen's arrest. He does not have the right to destroy the personal property of another human being. He does not have these rights. The criminal act is him. He's destroying property. He's taking the law into his own hand. But he believes he is right. Not simply because someone is vending, but because of who they are. You have to remember the origin or the catalyst of the hate. This is just a physical expression of it. Um, Naturally, nobody deserves to be treated this way. Um, It looks as if this male Karen is literally destroying the livelihood of two human beings. When do we get to a point in life where we can engage in such adverse behavior to try to cripple another person, to harm them in a way It's hard for them to come back because you just disagree with the way they transact. As a vendor, they're not bothering you. There's a 1-800 number, I'm sure you could call it. It's called called code enforcement. All right, Ms. Khan, thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it was worth it for this guy. I don't understand why people just can't mind their own business, but I guess that's one of the hallmarks of being a Karen, isn't it? It just can't let people live. You know, this guy suffered a consequence for his actions, though. He did get hit with a felony charge, which he clearly wasn't expecting, but we love to see it. We love to see the accountability. People need to know that it's not okay to act this way toward others, and they need to realize that they cannot control the behavior of absolutely everyone around them. It always seems to me that people who act this way do so because they're so desperate for control in their own lives, and they don't have any, and it makes them angry, and it makes them act out in this way. So maybe it was a lesson learned. Possibly, um, I wouldn't hold my breath. Best case scenario. Best case scenario. There you go. All right. Um, consequences and repercussions. Here it is. My wife is more than you are. Because I think that was self defense. So let me see it again, and I'm going to explain why. Here it is. My wife is more than you are. All right, we have a steel frame, put it up full mass. Now, the aggressor is within striking distance of the black male who's not saying anything. 
This is already a threatening situation. He proceeds to raise his voice and yell a racial slur. At this point, obviously, the non-aggressive male is in fear of his life. And in order to protect himself, he decides to make a motion in order to stabilize the threat against him. So that's the way I see it, all right? Uh, so naturally, if you decide to walk up to someone and be that close and start yelling and using racial slurs, um, they may interpret that you are probably not going to be peaceful and that they may have to become physical to protect themselves. All right, Ms. Khan, it's just a bad idea to walk up to people aggressively, closely, yell, and then spew a racial slur. This is a public service announcement. Shouldn't happen. Yeah, like the absolute audacity of it all. What made this man so bold that he thought he could just walk up to another man, insult him, get that close to him, and then just walk away unscathed? You want to talk about white privilege. White pr- pr- privilege is that man thinking that he could get away with something like that. It's thinking that a black man would be too scared of maybe law enforcement or whatever have you to actually retaliate against somebody like that. That's where you get the audacity from. Yeah, there it is. All right, we got more on the other side. Is indisputable stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We still have a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. All right, my theory, this Karen is gonna meet the right one. All right, and Tommy, I think this is Traverthin. Traverthin. Uh, the type of person who behaves like that towards the others will also be one of the people screaming at the top of their lungs that white privilege doesn't exist. Agreed. I thought this was good. All right, Twitch. Winston121880. I bet that Mayor Karen says to everyone how he supports small businesses. You can guarantee it. Yep. Uh, Neon Death 07 says, uh, his glasses didn't even stick around. Where the glasses knew what was up. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's enough. Okay. Um, what if I told you that a naval chief who just got a promotion, right, celebrating a promotion, ends up getting into an argument with his girlfriend and brutally assaulting her, according to the allegation? Put it up full mass. Hell of a story. Kyle Rosemoser. A 36-year-old member of the U.S. Navy was arrested over the weekend for allegedly punching over and over again his girlfriend in the face. This was at a hotel in Florida. He was celebrating his promotion. He just made chief petty officer. So his girlfriend told deputies she arrived at the hotel at 5 p.m. because there was a celebratory dinner at the hotel for the suspect's promotion to chief in the Navy. And the two shared a drink. They planned to spend the evening at the hotel to celebrate the promotion. At some point, she and Roger Moser argued and she claimed he punched her in the mouth three times. She called for help and someone knocked on the door, came in, picked her up, and took her downstairs to the manager's office until authorities arrived. Girlfriend, um, whose name has been redacted from the document, told investigators she wanted her injuries photographed. 
Deputy said they could see red marks on her chin and neck and what appeared to be fresh blood on her bottom lip. The deputy found the chief walking in the lobby after witness pointed him out. The deputy noted blood was visible on his neck and took him into custody. The mugshot taken after his arrest, the chief appears to have three scratch marks and blood on the left side of his neck. Deputies said he was extremely drunk during his arrest. He was booked into the jail, released on Tuesday after posting a bond of $5,003, according to online records. He is said to appear for his arraignment on August 31st. Um, hell of a story, right? So we don't know the full background um, as far as this chief officer uh, is concerned. Uh, we do know that uh, obviously it is concerning that you can have a celebration uh, and then decide to engage in activity that would sabotage yourself. Um, in the places that I've seen this happen, a lot of times that's your subconscious saying to you, you really don't deserve what you have been given. Um, I'm glad that the girlfriend was able to call someone to get help and that she's going to be okay, at least physically. But the mental trauma that creates, well, that may be more long lasting. And what about the military itself? The machine that says, be violent, that says, be aggressive. But then decides not to really provide the support systems necessary for the psychological um, issue that being in the military can create. Now, obviously, there's no excuse here. You know right from wrong, and you must be accountable for your decision. This happened domestically, ladies and gentlemen. This happened domestically. Imagine if the soldier is in a foreign country around other military entities, very little accountability from the authority. What happens if you have a bad day? Who gets hurt then? Just question. We will bring you updates as they develop. Ms. Khan, thoughts here. Yeah, you know, this is why we're all so afraid of each other. There's no reason for any of this to happen. But the sad fact is that things like this probably happen a lot more often than people are either aware of or would like to admit. And, you know, we know that alcohol was at play here in part, sure. But alcohol aside, this is just who this man is. He's unstable and he's angry and he's incapable of controlling that anger. And that's the scary part. I have very little respect for people who can't control their anger. But what is troubling is that this man is in a leadership position in our military. And this was him on a good day. This was him when he was celebrating. You know, my brother, he was an officer in the Navy. And I have a lot of respect for veterans, even though I have mixed feelings about the military. And somehow those things, those two views coexist within me. But you made a really good point about the fact that, you know, this is the war machine here. You know, this is how uh, people are conditioned to behave and to think and to feel. And you can't discount what, you know, being in a warlike situation can do to somebody psychologically. And I don't know firsthand, I can only imagine, but from what I've heard from the people that I've spoken to, it does take a toll and they really don't 
have an outlet or a place to talk about it very much. I don't know if that would have helped this guy. I think he needs a lot of help, but um, hopefully, especially his girlfriend gets the help that she needs too. Yeah, there you go. All right, hell of a thing, Atlanta Airport, Hartsfield-Jackson, the busiest airport on the planet. A woman comes in with a knife, stabs people. Here's some of the video. Oh, she's got a knife. She just has a Wow, uh, put up the picture for a mask. I travel through Hartsfield Jackson International Airport quite often. It is a huge airport and very busy. It is already a confusing environment without something like that happening. So footage out of Hartsfield Jackson, where a woman identified as 44 year old Damaris Milton uh, is seen. She's threatening officers and travelers with a blade after stabbing three people. The ordeal started when Milton started attacking her taxi driver upon arrival at the airport. When police attempted to get Milton to drop the knife, she stabbed an airport clerk and stabbed, according to the report, an APD lieutenant in the leg. More footage shows travelers ducking for cover. Um, as ordered by officer, officers. Now, naturally, they're ducking because they believe at some point these officers are going to have to shoot her. Okay. So everybody gets to the ground. Milton is now in custody. Um, she was not shot. Uh, and the three victims are in stable condition. Her motives are not yet known. Um, and it appears that she has no connection to the, to the victims at all. Um, something else happened at Hartsfield just, what, a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. A man, elderly man at that, he comes home, he's traveling, he comes to Hartsfield Jackson. Wife picks him up, she's elderly too, she drives a Cadillac. He gets in the car, there's a guy in the back seat. He shoots him in the back of the head from Hartsfield Jackson International Airport just a few days ago. So I don't know what's happening at the airport. Um, obviously, I don't wanna make any comment about the, the potential a mental health background of the individual. I don't have enough information to make any of those conclusions. Uh, but I will say this, uh, the fact that an individual was able to be apprehended after engaging in such carnage um, tells me that they're able to do it even when one of their own is injured. I mean, she stabbed a cop, all right? Okay, we'll bring you updates as they come right now.
Um, the story is as it is. Ms. Khan, thoughts? Yeah, that airport, you know, I'm sure anyone who has traveled anywhere around this country has either been to that airport or passed through it at some point. Everyone's been to that airport. But who knows? It's like what you were saying. We have very little information as to what was going on here, what was going on with her, what her motives were, or if she had any to begin with. Uh, we don't know why she even showed up to the airport with a knife in the first place. We don't know. I'm happy that she was able to be apprehended. I'm happy that a life wasn't lost unnecessarily. Yeah. But, you know, it could have been a lot worse, I guess. But, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see until we get more information. Yep. All right. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable. Stick and stay. All right. Welcome back. Always good to be with you. All right. We got a lot of comments. Before I go to comments, uh, membership, TYT. Okay. Let's make it happen. Real simple. So the stories that corporate media will not dare to talk about, uh, we will. But we need your support to make it happen to fight for positive change. I'll become a member, all right? Become a member, go to tyt.com forward slash join. Um, also, leave a review for Indisputable, the podcast, all right? Apple Podcast and virtually anywhere you get your podcast content. All right. Um, a woman, a woman is suing after this happened. Okay, this is an employee, a cashier. Staten Island Police—they have not made an arrest yet. Uh, the black woman caught in this video is being dragged by her hair into the street and then kicked in the head by the Delhi, the Delhi cashier because he allegedly mistook her for being a trans woman. That's, that's the reason, according to the narrative. Uh, the woman has filed a lawsuit against the owners of the deli where the assault took place back in July. Let's put this picture up for mass. This is so horrific. This is so horrific. Look at this. Jasmine Adams told the New York Daily, in an interview Tuesday, quoting that she says the daily the daily worker called for her or called her during the assault that occurred on July 28th. Even if I was a transvestite, she says, what does that have to do with anything? Adams, 35 years of age, has sued the West Brighton Deli and Grill. The lawsuit specifically names the owner, the West Bright Deli Grocery Corporation. And local New York affiliate WPIX reported the worker has been fired since the alleged assault, but the owners have not helped police identify him. What led to the assault? So Adams alleges the employee grew upset with her while she was at the register preparing to purchase marijuana, which is legal in New York. Adams, who does not smoke, Says she was on the phone with a friend who had asked her to pick it up for her. Marijuana cost about 40 bucks, Adam said. And she was discussing with her friend whether it was, in fact, what they wanted. And the employee took this as an insult, presuming she was trying to negotiate the price. She told the Daily News the man sucked his teeth and got mad, 
before he threw the packet of marijuana on the ground. Adams refused to pick it up. As she claims, he started yelling at her about how she was trying to get him fired. And he was going to call the police. Adams said she told the man she just wanted her money back. And that's when he heard him call her a transvestite. So Adams, who was bisexual, said before she knew it, the cashier had maced her while she was still standing inside the store. She said she had attempted to defend herself by swinging at him with a coffee pot grabbed off the counter. But by then, he had grabbed her by the hair and started dragging her out of the corner store. In a statement to Law and Crime, Adams attorney Robert Brown said he still was not sure why. After so many months, the alleged perpetrator has never been arrested. Video footage of the assault shows the man pulled Adams along the concrete sidewalk and cursed at her as a small group of people were gathered nearby, audibly voicing their shock at what they were witnessing. Quote, you didn't have to do all that. A person can be heard saying in the footage. Adam said, after the man kicked her in the head and walked away, she realized she would need to leave the area immediately. Quote, I said to myself that I got to get out of here because I don't know if he's going to kill me, she told the Daily News on Monday. The nine-page lawsuit filed on October 5th in the Staten Island Supreme Court alleges negligence, assault, battery, and discrimination. Highlighting that the cashier only called her a transvestite after observing a rainbow-themed wristband. The nature of Adam's injuries were not detailed in the complaint, though she describes them as severe. She has also sued for intentional infliction of emotional um, distress. Uh, let's put up a picture of the company again. So according to the updated narrative, the individual has not been identified primarily because the owners of the establishment have not given the identity of the individual. Uh, this is a problem. And let me tell you why this is a problem. First of all, obviously, the person who did this um, doesn't respect the community that undergirds that entire operation. The owners, you all receive money from that community. This is a patron of your facility. This person was spending money inside of your store, helping your livelihood continue to prosper. And you have no respect for the community that you gain riches from. I have a problem with this. Um, I will update this story next week. Um, hopefully by the end, there's some movement. And at least there's cooperation from the owner. All right, Ms. Khan, thoughts here. Yeah, he sucked his teeth and he got mad. That's pretty intense. But she's right. You know, what difference did it make if she was right. transgender? She's got money. She wanted some weed. He's running a business. She wasn't doing anything crazy. People hate things that are different or unfamiliar to them because the unfamiliarity scares them, which is nonsensical. You don't have to like everything or everyone that you encounter, but you live in New York, like Staten Island, but still New York. You're going to encounter some interesting and diverse people. You cannot live up in the Northeast and get so easily offended that it's so densely populated with every type of person imaginable up there. 
I don't know how people can still exist in a place like that and still feel racist thoughts or feel homophobia and transphobia to the extent that we saw it displayed here. I honestly don't get it. I think it's a matter of people just, you know, trying to exist within the realm of reality that they want to exist within and just seeing what they want to see and not seeing what they want to see. Yeah, very unfortunate. Obviously, we will continue to follow the story. Either I'll make a phone call, I'll knock you out myself. Out of my face. Don't you ever talk to somebody in their job while they're doing their best to help you. That's not their fault. Let's go to your car. Let's go to your car right now. Let me explain the scene. I got more video. According to the narrative, the gentleman, he's being, let's just say, disrespectful, rude, aggressive, not nice to those who work there and lurking in the corner is an anti-care. Here's more. Let me get myself over the car right now. There's a right one on the wrong day. Where are you? Where are you? Cause this white wants to me in this hurts office. Yup. What's up? Nobody in here is gonna help you now. You disrespected him. So what's up? Didn't you just tell me to suck you? What's up? Get the f- out. I'll give you one more chance. I'll give you one more chance. Get the f- out. Get the f- out of here. Get the f- out of here. I'll give you the best of the doubt. Get the f- out. Hello. Sorry. First of all, madam, um, I like your style. I really do. <laughs> we call that ride or die where I'm from. Um, You may not know any of the employees there, but you saw an injustice, righteous indignation was swelling up inside of you. And you responded. And then you went right back to professional mode. You said, hello, I'm sorry. Well played. Well played. All right, Jackson, thoughts? Oh, well, they they up this way, too. I could tell by how she was talking She's from <laughs> New York. And, and New Yorkers take a, a, a special um, offense to, you know, as SMD. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Telling somebody to go down on you like that. Take particular offense to that. But the dude, you know, when he was talking to the employees like that, he felt like the law was on his side. But then when, you know, the little bitty woman stood up and was bigger than he he is. <laughs> You know, that that made him change his mind because she not an employee, but he sized her up and was like, damn, she she bigger than me. I can't take her. So then he just he just switched it up. And sometimes that's all it takes is a strong woman. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it was um, (laughs) once again, anti-carriers unite. Um, So sad. A teen fatally shoots a Democratic Party canvasser. Put up his picture. When I first saw this story, um, it struck me to my core. Uh, This happened in Michigan. The reason it struck me to my core is because I remember years ago uh, when I was a Democratic canvasser myself, I knocked on doors advocating for party principles, advocating for individuals who I believe would bring those principles to life. I also recall a couple of years ago, we had a canvasser in the state of Georgia 
place called Savannah was shot, knocking on the door. And now we have a 15-year-old who has been arrested for shooting an older canvasser. A 15-year-old child has been arrested in connection to the shooting death of Theodore Ted Lawson, a 63-year-old Michigan man who was canvassing for the Democratic Party at the time of his killing. Police have not, yet released, have not yet released information about what may have led to the shooting, but he was knocking on doors on the city's north side, just a few blocks from his home, as he canvassed in support of Lansing City Council at large candidate Trina Lopez. When he was killed, the candidate said Theodore Ted Lawson was found lying on the sidewalk Sunday with a gunshot wound and later died after being transported. To the hospital. Lawson served as a secretary for the Ingham County Democratic Party. Uh, Michigan Congresswoman um, Alyssa Slotkin tweeted in response to the incident, quote, so terrible to hear that Ted Lawson was killed over the weekend by doing what he has done for so many candidates, including myself. Knocking on doors and getting out the vote. It was one of the most involved community members I've ever met and regularly volunteered his time for projects that improve mid-Michigan. This is a huge blow to the community. My heart goes out to Ted's loved ones who knew him. You know, the story is, is extremely emotional um, because for me, I remember um, how none of us really had anything. It didn't matter our age. Uh, we didn't have much. Some of us would have to put our money together just to eat a decent meal. We knocked on doors believing that a leader, a politician, a public servant could transform policy. Now, were we disappointed? Of course we were. Of course we were. But our hearts were in the right place. And I know what kind of heart it takes to knock on doors. And then to be killed by a 15-year-old who probably learned that move from the gun happy parent. He stays. All right. Ms. Khan thoughts. Yeah, you know. Community outreach is so important and stories like this make it feel like it's not worth it, but we need to keep doing it. And, you know, we just don't know our neighbors anymore. We're afraid of each other and we're armed with deadly weapons. So it's understandable that we're afraid of each other, but we've forgotten how to just talk to people. We all grew up knocking on people's doors and it wasn't a big deal. It was a thing that we all knew how to do. It was a thing that we were used to receiving. We were used to having people come up to our doors, but now it's there's surveillance, there are weapons potentially in the house. We, we don't know who we're dealing with anymore. And unfortunately, here where I live, I get asked to go canvassing and block walking with this local Democratic group that I work with sometimes. And I don't go, I choose to serve in other ways. And that's kind of sad, you know, because I would like to talk to people and I would like to do things like that and meet people. But I'm just not trying to put myself in any kind of situation that could potentially be dangerous. Yeah. Who can blame me at this point? Yeah. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay.
All right, welcome back. We got a lot of show left. Let me remind people, um, membership, TYT, uh, make sure you join, tyt.com slash join. All right, we'll love to have you as a member as we collective collectively resolve problems. All right, podcast, uh, make sure wherever, wherever you get your podcast content, you can also enjoy Indisputable, all right? We make sure those shows are fresh every day, every weekday. Sure you tune in if you miss us here. Okay. Yep. Our YouTube woman sues. Uh, Miss Cardio Queen, they are protecting the perpetrator. Damn right they are. Um, and they likely have a motive to do so. All right. Um, Capra Chick, Cancer Moon. Should be some, uh, some for a hate crime attached, some form of, yeah, of hate crime attached. Um, even though she is not uh, trans. A sinful solution, uh, talking about the canvas, uh, killed for knocking on a door. Yeah. Queen underscore G underscore from underscore GI. Rest in power, Ted. That's right. Fragment. Our guns are terrifying. And the lack of control in the US is most terrifying. Never once. If I had to worry about getting shot if I knock on the door, I've only seen a gun twice. And Miss Cardio Queen again, the Democratic canvasser was shot by the teenager after the teenager asked the canvasser for a dollar according to media reports. Yeah. Snack underscore Panther. You need to go door knocking with a bulletproof vest. It's a damn shame. Yep. And, uh, you know, good luck finding one legally. Twitch, Dr. Hayes, yep, who stands around and watches a woman get assaulted like that. It's become a normative, is it not? It's insane. It's just Vegas. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a relative of the owners. That, that's actually, that's my sentiment. Uh, this is somebody who is family to them, and they have decided to engage in a cover-up uh, and show their disdain for the local community that actually provides Money for them. And Dowu87, the parents should be accountable as well. There you go. Winston, 121880. Uh, why did a teenager have access to a gun in the first place? Right, NRA? There you go. Okay. Um, here we go again, Florida. Guess what? 70 year old woman arrested voter fraud. This is Governor Ron DeSatan's. Um, Election fraud task force, some made up baloney that he created. Put up the picture full of masks. Let me explain what happened to Miss Marsha Irvin, 69 years of age, Tallahassee. This Tallahassee woman is just one of dozens of black Floridians to be arrested for voter fraud as the governor's. Election Crimes Task Force continues their investigations and crackdowns on instances of fraud in the state. I'm going to give you background on what happened with Ms. Irving. She was sent to prison in 2016, okay, after being found guilty of aggravated neglect of an elderly person. She was released in 2018. Upon her release, now she spent her time, all right, she did a bid. Upon her release, 
Officials at the prison never issued her any information on whether or not she could vote. However, she went on to successfully register to vote in 2020. No issue. She was allowed to do so. The government provided access for this. Although court records show Irvin is still on probation and cannot vote until November 2023, something obviously the government did not make clear. The government did issue a voter registration card in 2020. She voted in the 2020 general election and 2022 primary. Now, remember the first time we talked about this, I said, if they really wanted to stop a person from voting, the systems that they use in the back end, they could easily use in the front end. Because the same systems that will check to see if you are registered and on parole or probation, those systems are able to be applied in the front end rather than in the back end after you've received your voter registration card, after you have successfully been able to vote, and after the conclusion of an election. You see the picture here? It's a setup. It's done intentionally. There's more. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement began looking into Ms. Irvin's voting record after investigators received some information from the Office of Election Crimes and Security. A task force that DeSantis recently established to investigate voter fraud allegations. Irvin's attorney, Akbar, insisted that she thought she was able to vote after she was released in 2018 due to news reports announcing that the voting rights of hundreds of thousands of felons would be restored. And that is accurate as far as the news report that was said. It leaves out context, but the report did happen. Months later, DeSantis signed a bill. The Florida legislature passed to withhold voter eligibility for hundreds of thousands of felons until they met their past legal financial obligations. So now you have nuance. Why? Because that's the way the governor wanted it. There's confusion. Confusion and controversy ensued as a result of that. Many voters could not determine their own eligibility. And when you try to determine it, you get the runaround. And the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition filed a federal lawsuit due to the conflicting statutes. So you have one saying, you got your rights restored. Then you got another one saying, hey, but you owe some money. If you owe some money and you're still on probation and you're paying a fine or a fee because of that probation, you technically owe money. So while it's a yes, for you it's a no. But nobody's going to tell you that because they're not mandated to do so. And truthfully, most government workers don't know. There's more background on the arrest. Ms. Marsha Irvin, okay? damn near 70 years of age, was sleeping in her home on September 29th. When Tallahassee police knocked on the door at 2 a.m., 2 a.m., she let them in, wondering what could be the reason for their visit. And they told her they had a warrant for her arrest. What Irvin has in common with several other Floridians who face the same charges is that she's a felon who was able to register to vote after her release from prison. Others have been affected by these policies. Just this year, 63-year-old Toy LaRocha was arrested in Fort Walton Beach for voting while still on probation. She told investigators she was confused by the arrest since 
She was issued a voter registration card that gave her one. The same thing happened to a 57-year-old, Ronald Lee Miller in Miami late August. Although he was convicted of murder, a campaigner at a grocery store told him he was eligible to vote and encouraged him to register. He was also issued a voter registration card by the government. But police came to his home with the warrant for his arrest. Uh, Benjamin Crump, attorney at law, is working with Irvin in an effort to get these charges dropped. Um, I do know the statute of Florida. Um, it is common in most jurisdictions as it relates to voting fraud. You have to do it with malice intent. You have the form mens rea, meaning you know you're committing a crime. Okay, it's required that you know you're committing a crime. Um, what do you have here? You don't have anyone involved in a conspiracy. This is not uh, a system, an enterprise. This is not a RICO charge. These are um, older individuals who made a mistake. They made a mistake, okay? Because of an intentionally vague law and confusing contrary statutes in the state. But the governor, well, he made a special committee to do what? Not really just to arrest a 63-year-old here, a 70-year-old there. It's to put fear. It's to put fear in everybody else. It's to make them afraid to even ask the question. Thus creating an innate voter suppression in the state of Florida in particular with black people. Ms. Khan, thoughts here? Yeah, you know, voter fraud is a real thing that happens on occasion, but this ain't it, and they know that. It's always frustrating whenever a real thing is used as like a boogeyman or as a political talking point because it dilutes the actual actual message. It diminishes the actual significance of the thing when it does happen. And it's irresponsible when politicians use it for political purposes that are anything besides trying to actually prevent the thing from happening in the future. And punishing a behavior after it's happened is different from taking preventative measures against it from happening in the first place. And I'm not saying not to punish wrongdoing once it is discovered, but punishing people who were trying to do the right thing seems like the wrong way to go about addressing voter fraud, especially when those people weren't at fault. The state and the district are supposed to be managing these processes. They know that. It was a failure of the election officials, not the citizen, and they know that. And it's like what you said, unfortunately, what they're doing is discouraging people from registering to vote and then yep. from voting. And they seem to be targeting a certain demographic, and that is exactly what they want. That's right. Uh, it is insane that uh, the government can give you a card, a voting card, allow you to vote, accept the vote, cast it, and then come back and arrest you for voting. Uh, if it's illegal for you to have a gun and somebody buys you a gun anyway, puts the gun in your hand, tell you, you can use this gun anytime you choose to. Guess what happens? You become part of the criminal act because you knew they were not supposed to have a gun legally. For some reason, that logic doesn't apply here in Florida. All right. The mother of Manuel Ellis, who was beaten and killed by police, they are now, according to them, under 
significant intimidation and possibly illegal surveillance. Put up the picture for a mask. Let me remind you of the story and give you the twist and turn. The family of Manuel Ellis, a 33-year-old who was beaten and killed by Washington police, are alleging witness intimidation throughout the ongoing trial against the three officers responsible for his death. Marcia Carter Patterson, Ellis's mother, reported being very, very scared to take the stand. Three days following open statements, Patterson found a tracking device in her car and has since had two tires slashed. Carter Patterson told the outlet that while she was afraid, she would not let the intimidation stop her testimony. Quote, I'm not going to be intimidated, she declared. Carter Patterson testified that she'd spoken to her son just two hours before his fatal encounter with the three officers. She learned about his death the next day. Quote, it was the worst day of my life, testified Carter Patterson. I lost it because I didn't think that it was true. Ellis died in police custody after being beaten, shocked, choked, hog-tied, and had a spit mask placed over his head while being detained on the Tacoma Washington Street, March 3rd, 2020. Despite multiple witnesses saying Ellis was not aggressive during the arrest, the three officers have claimed he had superhuman strength when they accosted him, causing them to use a taser to choke him, to punch him, as well as hog tie him and put a spit cap over his head while ignoring his pleas that he could not breathe. Once the family began speaking out, backlash and intimidation from the police department, as well as the public, started after the attorney says they aren't the only one. On Friday, Ms. Carter Patterson was getting out of her car, but she noticed something dropped from it. Closer inspection revealed a small black air tag, a discreet tracking device. They use this Wi-Fi technology. Alarmed by the discovery, Ms. Carter Patterson has stayed with relatives beginning Friday night. An investigation from the Attorney General's office collected the air tag. Uh, now, I will say this, just given how it happened, how it happened, they probably wanted her to see the device. There's more. On Saturday morning, Carter Patterson said her relatives found two tires that had been slashed while it was parked at her home in Tacoma. All right? Lawyers and officers, uh, lawyers uh, for the three officers said they were unaware of the air tag, denied that anyone associated with them or the client was involved. Okay. Um, and this is according to the family witness intimidation. What has my mother done to deserve this besides have a dead son? Carter Nixon said. The family's attorney, James Bible. So the outlet that the family has been the focus of harsh criticism and intimidation. The attorney said that Tacoma police personnel and the sheriff's department, the staffers secretly surveilled the family, as well as supporters and another witness, Sarah McDowell. McDowell recorded one of the cell phone, uh, one of the cell phone videos of the arrest and was targeted with a restraining order that was later dismissed by the judge. 
The intimidation they've experienced is not new, said Bible. From the minute they stood up for the memory of their deceased loved one, they have been the focus of the harshest criticism and intimidation you can imagine. The attorney said the family is weighing its options, its options including whether to report incidents to the FBI. The family chose to not call Tacoma police to report tracking, a tracking device and vandalism because of the obvious conflict of interest with officers from the Tacoma Police Department on trial for her son's death. Officers Matthew Collins, 40, Christopher Shane Burbank, 38, are on trial for second degree murder. Collins Burbank and Officer Timothy Rankin, 34, all charged for first degree manslaughter. The defendants have pleaded not guilty. They are currently free on bail, remain employed, but on paid leave. Uh, they kill someone, they get a paid vacation. All right, Ms. Khan, thoughts here. Yeah, well, good for her for speaking out and for not being intimidated, but she already lost her son. So good luck scaring that woman. That's right. And th- this is why people don't trust the cops. And this is why the idea of a good cop, while I personally I personally believe they can exist, it's an incredibly hard sell because when these things do happen, the other cops don't need to intimidate witnesses, but then they do. They don't need to attempt to bury the case, but they do. They need to just take accountability without being protected by their colleagues and by the whole system. People aren't necessarily mad at individual cops when things like this happen. They're mad at the corruption within the police forces and within the so-called justice system. If things happen, hold the cops accountable. Hold the ones who did it accountable. Don't rehire them in another district in some other small town somewhere else. Take away their authority. Take away their power over ordinary citizens. Take away their guns and all their you know, all their deadly force that they're able to walk around with and carry. And, you know, let them know that they can't do things that are also illegal and get away with it. That's right. Well said. Always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. Yeah. So you can follow me on uh, Instagram and TikTok at Yaz K with five Z's, Y A Z Z Z Z Z K. And also check out my podcast, Modern Context. We have new episodes out every other Friday. So there will be a new episode out tomorrow. And also you can find me on Rebel HQ. I do content over there. Always a pleasure. Until next time. Of course. All right. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable. Indisputable is still the fastest growing news show in America. We tell the truth on Indisputable because the truth is indisputable. Listen, no matter what you do, don't allow the politics of ideology to evaporate the soul that still exists inside of you. They don't stop, I don't stop. Racism won't stop, I won't stop. Systemic bias won't stop, I won't stop. People still need criminal justice systems reform, so I won't stop. You won't stop either.